So, uh, in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. We're continuing together. We've been studying the Book of Hosea, the Old Testament, uh, for a while now. That we actually take it slowly and move on with it. Uh, just kind of give you an idea again for those who are with us for the first time. Uh, the Book of Hosea and the Old Testament, one of the minor prophets, and uh, a message to to the Northern Kingdom, to Israel, and also to Judah in the in the Southern Kingdom. Uh, message of love, basically. Message of love. You know. It uh, it uh, might, as we go through it, and as we've been going through it, it might uh, understand it in a different way. But uh, from the beginning, again, God, which uh, defines himself as the bridegroom and looking at his people as the bride, the bride that left him and cheated on him and went and committed adultery, going after other gods. And leaving him. So the whole idea again that he's he's number one, he's he's identifying who that bride is in the first three chapters, and then later on he goes, okay, here is exactly what's your problem, problem of loyalty, problem of trying to find uh, what you want from other people, and you left me, and then uh, telling them also that. That there are there are consequences of your of your choice. If you leave me and go out, you know, it's not going to be nice. It's not going to be good. But also in all that, I am dealing with you because I want you back to me again as my own bride, right? So even though if it sounds like this is the punishment and this is you know what's what's going to happen, it's it's actually as he says here and as we'll see later more and more in the in the book itself that actually you know I loved you. And I still love you. And it hurts because I am your husband and you left me. And you can see all this from the beginning of the book. From the beginning of the book. When, again, from the beginning of chapter one, when God uh, talks to Hosea and tell him, go and find yourself a wife that is uh, adulterous. And bring her in and love her. Which, again, it's, 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 it's mind-blowing. Like, you know, it's, imagine God is telling somebody, go and take a wife for yourself who is a prostitute. But you know what? You're supposed to love her, supposed to bring her in. You're supposed to, to deal with her in that way, which again, as, as we see always in the Old Testament, God kind of, you know, uh, brings the message in a very, very, very interesting way, but to kind of make it actually very uh, easy to understand and very easy to follow and to kind of summarize the idea itself. You know, again, you know, the love that, that's between the husband and the wife, there is nothing, nothing better, nothing stronger than that. So here is, here is where we are right now. So we talked about this in, 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 in through the, 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 the previous uh, chapters coming to, to chapter, uh, as we said before, uh, eight and nine and 10 also, Kind of like okay, God is, is saying okay. Here is here is where you at right now, and because you continue to stay away from me, that's what's going to happen, right? But in the midst of that, as we said always before, you see that kind of flash forward. Okay, you know this is what's going to happen, but you know what? I still love you. Here's what's what's the 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 the, the consequence of where you at. But you know what? I'm still working with you, and my arms are always open, and I want you to be with me. So and so and so. So with with that, we talked last time. If you remember, 
about the 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 idea of uh, the lefts and uh, the starts they don't want to come back to God faithfully so they would just offer some things and then thinking that that offering is okay is enough the same idea of when we kind of like okay we don't really want to give all our hearts to the Lord but you know what okay it's fine you know I'm serving here and there or I'm paying my tithes or maybe I'm gonna go to a church an hour a week or something and that's fine that's good enough right but God is saying like it's not good enough it's not what I want from you why because I am your husband so if you are my wife you want to fill and live that life of, of what the fullness the fullness you can't just go to your husband right and the good morning and then all the day you don't talk to him right like no like where, where have you been right if you really love me like why aren't you checking on me why aren't you communicating throughout the day right so they didn't want to do this, but also they were afraid. If you remember before, we talked about the difference between uh, cleansing and between what? Remember? We talked about two things. Anybody remember? The cleansing. <laughs> what was the other word? That was in chapter eight. Anybody remember from your notes? See also. <laughs> Say again. Rescued versus cleansed. Rescued wasn't the same letter. I'm wrong. I was wrong. <laughs> I had something else in mind, but uh, but the same meaning, which is again the idea of of I needed to be I'm coming to, to to God because I need to be rescued from the punishment, versus I'm coming to God to be cleansed. To be cleansed. Right, and that cleansing is the new, the new creation we're talking about earlier, Mark. Right, the new creation that no God's work with me is to cleanse me, right, and to heal me, right. So there is difference between just coming to Him because you know what I know, you know what I have a, an interview next week or I have an exam next week or I have this and that and I better shape up and I better behave. So I'm coming to Him so I can be rescued from whatever I am afraid of. Whereas he goes, no, you're, you're coming to me because you heard that if you didn't come, there is going to be an exile. There is going to be an enemy that is coming and ruining and taking, taking over. But you're not coming to be to be cleansed, right? And that's why in verse 8, in chapter 8, verse uh, 5, it says, you know, I have spurred your calf. This is God talking to them. Like, I don't want your, uh, your offerings anymore. Why? Because how long will they be incapable of innocence? The actual translation, how long they will be not ready for being cleansed. They refuse to be cleansed. Right? And it's, it's a very, very important concept with, with, our, with our relationship with, with, with God. Because again, lots of times we know and we know that we, he actually wants to cleanse us. right? And that cleansing sometimes is harsh. Right, some that cleansing sometimes is not what we want, but what he wants for us because of his love. So we talked about this, you know, the last few times coming to chapter uh, nine, coming to chapter nine. So this is again the the the, the context of the of the service itself. Uh, again, if you just read, maybe go back again to the end of chapter eight last time. That's what we talked about. That okay, we were talking about the the idea of. Uh, the 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 they're not giving they never can understand. Remember that that even if I give them uh, my my laws like ten thousand times in verse twelve, where were I to write for him? Him is Ephraim, which is the 
the biggest tribe that re represents Israel, but in a way that represents us now. So God is saying, were I to write for him my laws by the 10,000, they would be regarded as a strange thing. And there is no way that they are going to understand my, my laws. Even if I wrote it to them 10,000 times. Why? Because their heart is, they don't really want to tell me. So it's going to still be, the laws will still be what? Strange, foreign, you don't understand. But then with that, you still want to sacrifice. And then at one point, he said, like, what? Well, I don't want you to, to, to offer to me anything at all. Why? Because, you know, this is not accepted. For you. So this is what we, we, we had from, from, from before. And then going on to chapter 9, you see, again, something that's very, very interesting also. He keep, keeps hitting on the idea of, again, you know what? You, by your own choice, refuse to give me your, your heart and to come to me again as I am your bridegroom. So here is, going, here is what's going to happen to you, right? And also he keeps digging deeper into the actual problem of what they are doing. So you, you see this in, in chapter nine, we just read you know, a few verses here and see where, where, where we're at uh, with that. So uh, let me share my screen with you guys here so you can see also uh, what's happening. It starts with a, with a very interesting text, very interesting text, if I can see it. Where are we at here? Okay, I don't want this. I want this. And I want this. Okay. Let's try this one more time. There we go. So he's talking again here. This is God talking to his people, Israel. And again, as we were saying, the Old Testament is always kind of like a, a, a way for us to understand how God is dealing and also take it for our own day and age now, right? So Israel is us now. We are the new Israel, right? So what is he saying? Rejoice not, O Israel. Exalt not like the peoples. For you have played the whore forsaking your God. You have loved a prostitute's wages on all threshing floors. Threshing floor and wine bath shall not feed them, and the new wine shall fail them. They shall not remain in the land of the Lord, but Ephraim shall return to Egypt and they shall eat unclean food in Assyria. They shall not pour drink offerings of wine to the Lord, and their sacrifices shall not please him. It shall be like mourner's bread to them. All who eat of it shall be defiled, for their bread shall be for their, hungry, for their hunger only. It shall not come to the house of the Lord. What will you do on the day of the appointed festival on, and on the day of the feast of the Lord? For behold, they are going away from destruction, but Egypt shall gather them, Memphis shall bury them, Nettles shall possess the precious things of silver, thorn shall be in their tents. Let's just stop at this here, just the first, the six verses for the result here. And again, you know what, reading the text itself is very, very, very hard and very, like, I have no idea what he's talking about. So what does that, what, what is that? What is that? Let's just take it step by step again with the mindset that what like the introduction that i said before that you know this is where we're at right now right he keeps telling them here is here is your problem and here is what's going to happen to you and i want you to come back to me basically that's what it is so he starts with that with that kind of, 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 of um, uh, order in a way and also um, um, what do you call it 
um, cautioning them, rejoice not, O Israel, exalt not like the peoples, for you have played the whore for forsaking your God. Prostitute rejoice not, exalt not like the people. That is. Okay. Invitation not to be carried away by temporary happiness that they might be living. That's a very good point. Though. Okay. But why would they do that? Again, you know, they have something. Obviously, what just to give you a background on this, usually or specifically during this time, it was given to them at during the time of the feast of the of the harvest. So it seems like it was the time of harvest. So they are rejoicing with that. With with the crop, with the with all the 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 the, 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 the they are getting, and they are living their life, they're rejoicing. So here, the Lord, you know, in a way, said, "No, don't wait a minute. Rejoice not." Gives us the 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 the, the, the implication, as Mark is saying. But the interesting part of the text that says rejoice not like that other people as if he's saying what things were things were good for others at the time things were good for others at the time not necessarily no good for everybody again this is the time of the harvest so everybody Actually, rejoice. rejoice. There's nothing wrong. Is there anything wrong to rejoice with the crop, with the with the harvest? No. Is there anything wrong to rejoice with your own success? No. Because they were the Lord's people, and their way of rejoicing was not what according to when here you have played the whole. <laughs> so actually, because they the 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 what what happened at that time is they, as I said, you know, they will they will during the time of the harvest they will be uh, celebrate those things to offer back again to to their own gods. Exactly. Yes. The other people of uh, the, the the nation that are away from the nation of God. So different tribes. Different, not only tribes, different nation, not the nation of Israel, not the nation of God, not the people of God, right? Because what happened to them, they start to do what? To live the life of the people, right? Of the other nations. Like, and that's why from the beginning, aside from, again, as, as, as you hear, that's exactly what God wants from us. We see, right? We are set aside so we, what they did is they would use the crop and use the harvest and use the wine to offer to their own gods. They would do something during that time, you know, when, when it was mentioning threshing floor. What is the threshing floor? What does that mean? What is the threshing floor? 
Yes. Yes. That the also not only harvest, they do what they go. So you see, are actually protecting the crop. It's a very, very good environment for the prostitutes to go and, and sell themselves for the men. I think he's gone, but he's back now. Next to my hotspot. I do Okay. Uh, sorry, guys, my uh, the church connection here went bad. Okay, just one moment. We can reconnect. Recording. Okay, we're back live. <laughs> Sorry. So the 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 idea again that they were they were 
rejoicing for the wrong reason and with the wrong way. For the wrong reason and the wrong way. And this brings us back again to, to what is it that we are rejoicing for? And how is that rejoice? Or how is that joy supposed to be like? Again, I, uh, Hosea uh, 9. And what do you think? Again, like things that we, we is it based on this again? They were, it's a season of harvest. Right, and the, the season of harvest, as you see, and as you can know, and maybe know that they're you know working for that season for a long time, and lots of labor, and lots of hope, and lots of everything. And then there's something that that's coming up very, very, very you know blessing for them, right? But what is the problem here? Why God is telling them rejoice not, like the other people? What do you think? expectations different expect what do you mean oh he's expecting something different out of his people a different type of joy, okay different type of character you mentioned that in the first nine chapters or eight chapters they were away from god the people are you guys can you hear mark okay oh. so the microphone is working yeah okay i just want to hear that <laughs> okay yeah so different expectation from god from his to his from his people, yeah, right. The way they the way they showed that joy. Mm -hmm. Okay, how is that related to us now? I feel like a lot of times every day we have countless blessings, but we don't really look at God at being the one that's like giving them to us. We kind of think of ourselves like, oh, I got this job because of me, or I got this car because of me, and you're always thinking about yourself right. in a way instead of. God who's giving you everything. Great. So you're seeing that the, the mental awareness, even of as basic as we say, counter blessings, right? And said, okay, like, no, what I have is not actually for me, right? Okay, Peter. Well, it's just it's just on her on her point. It's like they didn't honor the Lord in their festivities. Yes. And we don't sometimes forget the Lord and we don't honor him in our festivities. Right. right. We did not honor the Lord in their festivities, yes. Yeah. Yes. How is it honor like? How is it honoring him in like, like what? What does it like look like? Are you talking about like, how they did it honor? For us now, like if we if we want to hear this again, we have something that is that we should be just not doing things faithfully. Not doing things faithfully. Yeah. Right. Yes. Just forgetting not doing it faithfully and and again, it's kind of like what you were saying, just right. one hour a week. And not communicating right. enough. And, yeah. Yes. Yes. Not not keeping that mindset right. of he is the one, right. right? And again, we 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 God has given us things all the time to rejoice over, right? But again, taking it as no, that that was my own whatever, own effort, own study, own personality, own things. They're not relating this. That's why I'm, I'm going back again to, to, to Hosea 2, uh, verse 8 and 9, because this is very, very important uh, concept to, to go back again and to remember that. Hosea 2, 8 and 9 says, he's talking about her again. He goes, and she did not know that I, it was I who gave her the grain, the wine, and the bush. It was me that I gave her everything, right? And the grain and the wine and the oil actually is like the whole totality of, of life, right? And who lavished on her silver and gold, which they used for Baal. Baal is the other god, 
So he gave her, he's, he's saying like, okay, she did not know, whether did not know because she forgot or she didn't pay attention or intentionally or whatever. But the bottom line is again, you do not know that it was me who gave her the, the green, the wine, the oil and silver and gold. So what's gonna happen with this? Therefore, therefore I will take back my grain in its time and my wine in its season, and I will take away my wool and my so I'll take everything. I'll take everything. Why is that? Because again, you know what? You didn't appreciate what I've given you, basically, right? So that's with that with that mindset. That's why here he is he is saying that you know what? It's 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 time for you not to rejoice because you don't appreciate what you're getting. And if you even do, your, your way of rejoicing is what? Is not the right way. To understand this, I wanna go back again to the book of, of, of Isaiah, actually, chapter nine, verse three. Isaiah, chapter nine, verse three. Because it's very, uh, 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 you see both, both verses together and you see how much that is important for, for, for all of us to understand. <laughs> or to, uh, to, to uh, think of it this way. So who has Isaiah 9, uh, verse 3? If somebody can read it. You have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest, and men rejoice when they divide the spoil. Okay, continue. For you have broken the yoke of his burden, and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. Keep going. I think you're are you seeing, are you reading nine, Isaiah nine? Yeah. Okay. Burden. Um, New King James. Read the Isaiah nine. Read three again, one more time. You have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest as men rejoice okay. when they Okay, harvest. yeah, stop it. Rejoice only according to the joy of harvest. So here, what is he trying to tell them? The, the, that they should rejoice in what? That rejoice of the harvest should be the rejoicing over what? Over him, right? Who is him? Continue. As men rejoice when they divide this whole spoil, okay. where you have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. Okay. So here is here is the one that you should be rejoicing because why? Because what does he do to you? According to this verse, he breaks the yoke of your burden, burden which means what? He sets you free. Right? So he is saying, if you really want to rejoice, make this is the own. And the, and, the, and the base of your joy, right? Now, again, does that mean that we shouldn't be rejoicing over anything else? What do you think? No, no. But rejoice over everything else with the base and with the understanding and the, with the mindset that mainly, you know, if I am not, if I'm not really living the joy of being uh, 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 liberated, then anything else would actually become what? Become useless, right? Actually, not only useless, becomes actually another burden. Mm -hmm. See the relationship? Mm -hmm. 
if I don't understand that my joy is because he took my burden and he, he lifted the burden from me, and I'm only rejoicing because I'm getting getting the the, the wine and the and the, the flax and the silver and 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 all those things become what to me? Another burden, right? Another burden. And I'm sure all of us know and feel and, and, and know how that, that is like when when we are actually uh, uh, under a burden, right? The, the one thing that is supposed to be very, very joyful for me, it becomes what? A burden. How is that? Do you, can you get like examples of that? A thing that becomes, that's supposed to be something that is joyful, but it takes over and becomes a burden? Andrew, you want to say something? You're, I have a big smile in your face. <laughs> yes. Service. <laughs> Service. In what way? That's a very good point. When you're something that's very good and it's actually spiritual, right? You're serving the Lord, right? But then it becomes a burden. Yes, Peter. Even just coming to the Lord, just even coming to church, it's sometimes there's the feeling of I have to go to church because I have to go to church, and it isn't becoming community. Right. right. So just the relationship itself Correct. with God, Correct. supposed to be joyful, right. becomes a burden. That's a great point. Did you hear, Peter? Thank you. <laughs> that's a very good point. Let's let's pause at this point for a minute here because that's again that that's very very. Um, uh, challenging, right? When we're just talking about this, when 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 the church and the relationship with God that's supposed to be full of joy and full of liberation and full of renewal, it becomes actually a burden. Why do you think it becomes a burden? From our own experience, let's just you know. Just like what you put on yourself, like, oh, I'm not worthy to talk to God, or I've done so many bad things, I can't even go into his house. Like, it's your own kind of feelings. Yes. So the feeling that I'm not worthy, I'm unworthy to come to the Lord, right? So like, who am I? No, I don't. I better be, better stay away. I better stay away. Yes. What else? Overthinking. Overthinking. In what way? Relationship with God when you look back into our senses is actually very simple. It's not complicated. It's a okay. love relationship, but yes, you keep thinking, oh, I'm going to still get up and pray. I'm going to still open the Bible and read it, and you just overthink everything. You're most likely not going to do it. So overthinking the relationship itself and the expectation. What does God want from me? Right. And lots of times you put very, very, very high standards. Like, no, God will not accept me unless you know what I am doing this and this and that. Right. Especially again, if you have other models that we said before, right? No, it's the simplicity of the relationship. Come, I want your loyalty, I want your faithful faithfulness, and come and see how that is going to develop, right? Peter, you want to say something? I was going to say that sometimes it feels like you're just not feeling it. Like you mm. feel like you're coming and you're not getting something out of it. Yes. And sometimes that's our own expectations, kind of like what you were saying. We feel like we 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 you know if we just come for a few Sundays, we're gonna receive all this, right? right? And sometimes it takes time. Right? Yes. Yes. It always takes time. It's a progress. Right. It's a pro. It's a progress. 
So, but then again, that's a that, that's a good point, Peter, because that mindset is usually because I'm expecting something for myself. So the core of the relationship between me and God is who? <clears throat> me, not God. And there's, as I was saying that before, very, very thin line between this and that. Very thin line between who I'm coming so I can feel good and I'm coming because of him. I want him. I don't want myself. And that's why I continue, even if I fail. Because if I'm coming because of me, then after a while, if I'm not really getting anywhere, like, you know, it's very, very exhausting, right? It's very exhausting. How often did you hear and, and maybe hear not, have you thought of yourself that like that relationship is very exhausting? Right? I'm not getting anything out of it. <laughs> All I'm getting is actually more burden. So why? Why other people are rejoicing, see? And I've heard this honestly, like, you know, people out there are just like, they're living their life and they don't have to live with the guilt, they don't have to live with this. So I might as well just live like that. It's very convincing mindset, right? Like all I'm getting is guilt and shame and feeling that I am not worthy and feeling that I'm not getting anywhere. So what, why other people are enjoying their life? And that's why here he says, do not rejoice like the other. Because the other joy is not right. That joy is temporary. Temporary, yes, yes. Not only temporary, but also not not true, not real. Mark, can I have you jump over? Yeah, there? sorry, my. <laughs> Andrew, you wanted to say something. I was going to say it's a nice with this chapter has a nice metaphor because, like, you know, the idea of celebrating the harvest and how. Like, you know, like the message is that they're celebrating the wrong thing. And it's just interesting to think about like farming in general because you can't read what you, or you can't, yeah, you can't read the harvest that you did. So, right. And so it's like very applicable. Like, you can't, like, I mean, it's essentially what we do, right? Like, we celebrate things in the wrong way because we think that it's about us. But, right. In reality, it's, it's God and it's possible. Right. Yes. Yes. So you see the similarity that, and that's again the beauty of, of, of reading the text together this way, because it's not just again about them, but you see that this is something that's very, very practical, very relatable to, to what we go through. What we go through. Again, it, it's, it's the idea that, okay, here you go, there is, there is the season of harvest and just rejoice. But again, rejoice not like the people. Right, because and that's the other point of this also, because the people maybe they do not know, but you know, so do not be like them. Right, the other nations, whether they heard or they didn't, or they, but again, they are not you. Right, and this is this is the big, big, big thing here also that you know. Right, you are in touch with him, you have heard the message. Right, God has been speaking to you, so don't act like you do not know. Like what's your excuse, basically? Right? What's your excuse? And that's exactly what what uh, what uh, Saint Paul talks about in Hebrews ten, right? I probably shared that message with you several times before. But Hebrews ten, there is that kind of like uh, harsh message in a way, harsh words. But Hebrews ten uh, talks about something that is uh, that uh, that kind of like you know pretty much the same thing here, 
when he talks about um, let us hold confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful, right? And then he goes on, uh, for if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin. Meaning what? If you sin deliberately and ignoring everything, at one point, you know, it's, it's too late. Right? And then it goes, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fiery fire that will consume the adversaries, right? So this is this is again Hebrews 10 is is is, is very very relatable to this passage here. Like you just don't rejoice over things because you know you should know better, right? I've taken you out of Egypt, I've brought you, I've helped you, I've did everything, but you're still living as if you do not know anything. And that's what Paul is talking about in Hebrews 10, 29. How much worse punishment do you think would be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of covenant by which he was sanctified and an outrageous spirit of grace? The text is very, very harsh. Right? Before that, he goes, anyone who has, in, in 28, 10, 28, anyone who has set aside the law of Moses died without mercy. That is, if somebody, if somebody didn't follow the, the, the law, he would or she would be punished. So how much worse you who know? How much worse punishment do you think would be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the spirit of grace? It's very, very, very strong, right? But here again, who, 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 who does this apply to? If we what? If we neglect. Back again, deliberately in verse 26. Deliberately, meaning what? I don't care. I don't care. I have my life. I have my, my, my things to rejoice over. I have my success. I have everything and I don't care. Well, how about God? Well, I'll probably give him something. Right? It's okay. Everybody does that. This is the culture that we're living in. This is the society that we're living in. This is the mindset. And totally, step by step, you find yourself totally away. away. And that's why in, in, in Hosea, back again to chapter 9, Hosea 9, again, it, it's you, you get to the point that it's something that is very, actually, very uh, 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 profane and very, very clear. When he talks about in verse, in verse uh, 4, they shall not pour drink offerings of wine to the Lord. Meaning what? It's not that I will not accept it. They will not even pour any sacrifice to me. He won't be able to do that. Why? And their sacrifices shall not please him. It shall be like murderer's bread to them. I'll talk about this. All who eat of, the, of it shall be defiled. For their bread shall be for their hunger only. It shall not come to the house of the Lord. It shall not come to the house of the Lord. Meaning what? I'm totally rejecting. What is the what is the, the mourner's bread? What is that? Do anybody know? What do you think? The mourner's bread is the bread for people who are mourning. <laughs> okay. Why is that wrong? Not only bitter, but 
based on the Torah, based on the law of Moses, anybody who touched a, a, a corpse or a dead person is what? Is unclean. That's why you shouldn't touch any dead person or animal or anything. So people who are mourning their, their, their death and, 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 and baking, they are in touch with that. So that bread that they, that they will eat actually becomes what? Defiled. So that's, you know, it's good for them. That's what he's saying. It's good for them because they need to feed on it, but it's not going to be accepted for me. You have to go according to the, to the Torah, according to the, to the law. You have to go through the purification and do this. And that's, again, that's Old Testament, right? But he is saying in a way that because that bread is in touch with the dead, it is what? It's not accepted. Which is very, very interesting because that, again, that's the same mindset. If my sacrifice, my offering is in touch with the world, with the sin, it's not accepted, right? Same mindset. So they, they, they are defiled and because they are defiled, they're defiling their own offering, right? And that's why he goes, it shall not enter into the house of the Lord. Because why is that? Who, back again to the song, who will dwell in the house of the Lord? You know that song? Let's bring it up here. It's just coming on the spot, so. Okay. Sorry, somebody wants to get back in. Who will dwell in the house of the Lord, right? Let, let's see what the scripture says and, 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 and learn from that, right? Psalm 27 says what? One thing that I have asked from verse 4, one thing that I have asked the Lord that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all days of my life, the gates upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. So here you see again, what is the source of joy here for the, for, for the psalmist here? The house of the Lord. And why the house of the Lord? Because of what? Because of the beauty of the Lord. So I'm coming to the Lord because of whom? Because of him, not because of me. Bueno, which psalm is this? What is that in the practical life? This is Psalm 27.4. What does that mean in the practical life? When we are establishing that relationship and I'm actually, you know, my joy is to dwell in the house of the Lord. The house of the Lord is not just a temple, not just a church. The house of the Lord is being with you. Yes, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, like, you're coming to church or you're praying to God because you want a relationship with him, not something that, like, you would get specifically out of it. Like, you're not coming to church for you, you're coming to church for him. Right, right, yes. Coming to church, you're coming, again, you're based, you, that whole relationship is based on what, on what I'm getting. Again, remember before we said this before, God becomes to me as what? Vending machine. You come, just okay. Here's what I want. You push buttons and you put a, a coin and you get it, and then thank you very much. I'm done. 
Have you ever thought of the relationship like that? Right? It goes like, I don't want this. It's not going to come into the house of the Lord. Don't fool yourself and don't fool me because I know your heart. That's why before that, right away, he goes, they want to go back to Egypt. And as we talked about this before, Egypt here is what? Slavery, right? The land of sin, exactly. So here he goes, what? They shall not remain in the land of the Lord. Again, why? Because the whole thing is they do not want to come to God fully, all the heart, right? And he keeps telling them, you know what? You are my wife. I want you. I love you. Come to me. Forget about your other husbands. I am the only husband. And they said, well, no, not yet. Why? Because they thought they can find everything from the other men, as it says before. Right? He goes like, don't do that. Why? Because there is actually judgment. The judgment is you will not be entering into the house of the Lord. Back again to go cleanse yourself. Don't come so you can be rescued. Right? And that's why here it says again in verse, back to Hosea 9 again, they shall not pour, this verse 3, they shall not remain in the land of the Lord, but Ephraim shall return to Egypt. Returning to Egypt meaning what? Returning to? To sin. Right? And that's, we're just discussing this me and Mark earlier, you know, when we say, okay, well, but God, you know, Jesus died for me on the cross and I can do everything because my sins are forgiven. Because to enter the house of the Lord, you have to be what? Clean. Well, how can I be clean? And I'm always sinning. And this is the old man that's always bothering me and bugging me. And I'm always, always falling into the temptation. So what's the solution? Christ. Right? That's what he said. Put on Christ. Right? Take off the old man. Put on the new man. How can they function daily? That's why in our Orthodox faith, we say that's why we come in union with him through the Eucharist. So we are physically one with him, one with the Lord. Right? And as John said, even if we say the blood of God, the blood of Christ will cleanse us from everything. So it's not just a cliche thing, no. Why? Because the new man that's in me will always do it. Once I sin, as we said before, You'll always be like, hey, wake up. How can you do this? Come back again. Right? And that love that is poured in our heart by the Spirit will always trigger that. Like, I cannot stand myself away from him. But here he said, you see the opposite. Here he said, okay, Ephraim will do what? Will return to Egypt. Why Egypt? Because Egypt was, in a way, although it was slavery, but it was what? Somehow we liked it. <laughs> Abuna, can I ask you a stupid question? Nothing is stupid from you, Irene. No, it's pretty dumb. I can already <laughs> feel the stupidness. I'm warning everyone now. But the next line says, Memphis shall bury them. What is Memphis in the Bible? Because I, I thought- a stupid question at all. It's a very, very good question. I was okay. just going to get to that question. Memphis is another city in Egypt, old Egypt, old Egypt. And it was known it was a burial place. So when he, when he goes on to saying Memphis will be uh, that place, that again, their connection with the dead. Back again to the idea that the morning bread, you know, you're connecting, you're longing to go back to the burial place, right? 
It's exactly, again, what we do when we are no. We should be living with the power and with the spirit of the resurrection. And we said, no. The resurrection is not for me. He died on the cross and he resurrected. Okay, it's a day on the calendar, but it's not for me. And I'm not living that power of the resurrection every day. Right? And I find myself, again, if I'm not living the resurrection, then I'm remaining what? Death. So Memphis here is an example, is a sign, is like an idiom for what? For the death. Because it was the, the, the burial place. Right? Although it's beautiful. Again, you go to Egypt, right? And you see all those burial places and the pyramids and this and this and that. Beautiful. Till now. But it's still what? Death. Right? So he goes, be careful because you want, this is your own choice that you are doing what? You are going back to Egypt by your own choice. By your own choice. I'm telling you, come back to me. Right? As he said before. Even if I take you to the wilderness, remember? I take you to the wilderness. I will, will, will show you my love and I will give you everything. But you don't want to come to the wilderness because it's dry. You'd rather go back to Egypt. And at one point, if you remember, in Deuteronomy, we're in, in, in Exodus, they said, let's go back to Egypt because we miss what? We miss the food of Egypt. We miss the, the, the patikh, the watermelon. <laughs> right. And actually, the, the sad thing, they said, we miss the, the meat, but they actually, they never ate meat when they were in Egypt. They were, able, they were only able to smell. They were slaves. So they only know the smell of the meat. But that's how much sin can be, again, being burdened again, right? The joyful thing becomes burden. The thing that I do with all the excitement becomes burden. And he goes, like, don't rejoice because of that. Right? Because if you continue to do this, you shall not enter the house of the Lord. That's the sad reality, but it's the fair reality also. Why? Because again, no. Nothing defiled can come into the house of God, right? So again, back again. So what about me now? Okay, the blood of Christ will cleanse me from everything, right? So having that connection and having that renewal and the Holy Spirit will cleanse. That's why we pray in the liturgy. You, you were, as I said before, you're cleansed, you're purified by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the knife, the fire that can cleanse, can burn the things that are not supposed to be there and kindle the fire, the good fire, the fire of love that's supposed to be there. But if the Holy Spirit is not working in me, or if I'm, as St. Paul says, if I'm grieving the Holy Spirit, if I'm quenching the Holy Spirit, who's going to purify me? Some sacrifices? Some service? A few dollars that I put? Some trips that I do? No. It's not going to work. So don't fool yourself. That's what we say. They shall not, or it shall not enter the house of the Lord. And you feel here again the, 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 the how firm and how this is like, this is it's not negotiable, right? There's no negotiation here. It shall not come to the house of the Lord. Although it is the bread, but it's the morning bread that's connected with the death. So it's something that's very, very important to understand and to look and to actually evaluate ourselves. Is my breath connected with the death? Whatever I'm offering to him, is it morning breath? Or is it 
the bed of presence that was in the, in the tabernacle all the time, that was fresh all the time, it's pure all the time. Again, how can I do that through my connection with the spirit? Through the prayer, through the Bible, through our, in our faith, again, through definitely the Eucharist, partaking through the body and the blood, because that's what he said. Whoever eats from this and drinks this will never die of everlasting life. And I come to him not because I am good, but because I am what? In need. That's why we call the Eucharist the what, if you remember, the medicine of immortality, continuous medicine of immortality. For behold, they are going away from destruction, but Egypt shall gather them. Right? So when somebody is deliberately not paying attention, that what will gather Egypt, the sin. Right? And you see that you know people who think alike, who are same mindset, same philosophy, same ideology, we're all gathered together. Right? But in the midst of that, there is, there is always hope. Memphis shall bury them. Nellos shall possess the precious things of silver. Thorns shall be in their tents. Again, the wage of sin is death. The days of punishment have come. The days of recompense have come. Israel shall know if the prophet is a fool. The man of the spirit is mad. Again, when you are so much in that mindset of being, being away from God, even if somebody comes and tells you, hey, God is good, we praise you. <laughs> right? Even if somebody comes and tries to, hey, we should be living a different life. Yeah. So the man of God that is supposed to be giving the advice becomes what? A fool. And that's exactly what's happening now, right? It's exactly what's happening now. The word of God became, instead of being the, the word of wisdom, it became the word of foolishness, right? That's exactly what St. Paul said. The cross, the cross of Christ becomes a sign of foolishness, right? Because of your great iniquity and great hatred. And it goes on and on and on. But then one thing I want really to, 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 to stop at here is, is, is I'll jump forward to verse 10 and then take it again next time. But he goes in the midst of all that kind of like, um, what is it? Sad text of how he feels and how the people are acting. He goes, what in verse 10 is amazing. Like graves in the wilderness, I found Israel. Is there ever grapes in the wilderness? So what does that mean? Hmm? Very precious, but very, very precious. Like I found you in the midst of the wilderness because you're so precious. You became, imagine again, somebody that is thirsty and hungry and walking in the wilderness and all of a sudden you see a vine and, and grapes and wine. Whoa. <laughs> It's the best thing ever. So that's what he's saying. Again, I'm, 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 I'm jumping forward because you know you see again that that's exactly what he does. That that flash forward. That like you know what you are still so precious for me. Like grapes in the wilderness, I found Israel. Like the first fruit of the fig tree in its first season, I saw your palms. I never stopped loving you. You were so precious to me from the from from day one, even with your fathers who all died in the wilderness. But I never stopped loving you. And I will never stop loving you, even if you insist on going back again to Egypt. I will never do. But they see here, 
this is how I want to, but again, they came back to what? Balthior. Balthior is the, the god of, of, of sexuality and for, for uh, lust. Going back again, you did this. See the contrast? Here is, no, I found you, you were so precious to me. I was willing to do whatever, but you still came to Balthior and, consecra and consecrated themselves to the thing of shame. Very, very harsh text. Consecrated yourself meaning what? You, do, you did it with what? Not just only intentional, but when you consecrate yourself to something, you're putting everything, right? Like when we're so committed to our work, when we're so committed to our life, when we're so committed to, to anything and we're joyful about it, because you consecrated, they consecrated themselves to the thing, thing of shame and became detestable like the thing they love. <laughs> Detestable heat is, is, is a very interesting word, actually. The, the actual word is, um, is something that is... Abomination. Uh, yeah. Shikos in Hebrew, which means uh, something more than that, even. means just to end with this here, I just want to bring this up here. Something that's really... Uh, here, here, there's something big as usual. Okay. Pretty bad in Arabic. Oh, you read it in Arabic. <laughs> mm, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, let me just, uh, here it is. Um, detestable thing or idol, abominable thing. It comes from, from a word, from a verse, from a verb, which actually means. Uh, something that's very kind of uh, not only has no value but uh, filthy, filthy. Yeah, that's the better, good way to say it. <laughs> filthy. Right? So back again to, to the text itself. He's saying that that you know it's it's uh, they became filthy like the thing they loved. <laughs> And that's why I back again to the beginning, rejoice not to Israel, because what are you rejoicing over? What are you so proud of, <laughs> right? You're giving yourself to, to play the whole forsaking your God. You're so much joyful because of the things that you think you did it, it's not yours. And then you took it and offered to God again. So it's it's, it's the idea, idea again of, of how we can, it's our own choice. Again, they, their, their problem here is they said that, okay, we will go back to Egypt, right? Although I want to bring you back, right? And they said that, okay, still offering something will be, will suffer, will be okay, will be enough. But he goes like, that's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. So maybe the one thing that we can take this week, again, as we always do is the idea of, am I offering a morning bread? Is my bread contaminated with the death? If it is, then be careful, because continuing that, as he said, it's not what he wants. But then again, there's the whole, this is again, when you read this in the, in the mind and in the, in the view of, 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 of the salvation of the Lord, right? then you see the hope. Because again, there's nothing that will make me stand in front of him blameless, as St. Paul says, other than what? Putting on Christ. Connecting 
and being one with Christ. And that's the only thing that will make me actually blameless in front of him. And that's his work. And that's why, that's why again, we need to continuously be in his presence. Because his presence is always what? Light. And that's what he said. You know, if you're in the light, you cannot walk in the darkness. But stay in the light. Stay in the light. We'll continue kind of like pretty much, you know, uh, you know, we'll, we'll finish chapter 10 and 9 and go to chapter 10 next time, God willing. And then uh, we'll move on to actually from 11 till the rest of the chapter is different, different stage and different, uh, the rest of the book, I mean, 11, 12 to 14, you see a different tone of the text itself. So kind of like, okay, here's what happened. Here is what's going to happen to you. But again, the, the fact of how can I bring you back to me? Questions or additions? Okay. Thank you all. Let's pray and then we can conclude. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your words, Lord. Thank you for your love, Lord, that you're showing to us. That you look at each one of us, Lord, and you see that uh, precious. Uh, Graves that in the wilderness, Lord, the precious uh, first fruit of fig, Lord, that you love with all your heart, Lord, and you want us to love you. Lord, we come to you with our uh, weaknesses, our filth, Lord, that we, we were rejoicing over, but uh, knowing that you're only the only one that can change our heart, change our mind, that uh, asking your spirit to purify us all, Lord, uh, every breath, every breath, Lord, that uh, comes from you, that uh, purifies us and allow us to come stand in your presence, Lord, blameless, Lord. Uh, from anything, Lord, because it's your love, your blood, your fire, Lord, that uh, cleanses us from every filth. Thank you, Lord, for uh, my brothers and sisters with us, those who aren't with us. Pray for those who are struggling, those who have no one to remember them, those who are away from you, Lord, that you can bring everybody Lord, that uh, enjoy and understand and rejoice over the good things that you've given us, Lord, uh, yourself. Hear our prayer and supplication, prayers of all your saints. You say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be them. Go in peace. Good night, everyone. We'll see you next time. Bye, Bye. Thank, you. Thank you, Father Jacob. Good night. Thank you, everyone. Bye. 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 Bye.